Now, one of the biggest downsides about living in a different city or indeed a different country than your partner is the fact that you simply can't uh, put your hands on one another uh, as often as perhaps you'd like. Still, that doesn't mean that the fire has to die out. There are plenty of ways to keep spice in your sex life, regardless of how far away you might be. Uh, with the help of modern technology and a good old-fashioned imagination, sex in a long-distance relationship can be very spicy. And uh, to talk about the ways in which you can keep fire in your sex life while in a long-distance relationship. Tonight, we're joined by clinical sexologist Dr. Anthony Smith. And if you are in a long-distance relationship, I'd love to hear how you keep the magic alive with your other half. Get in touch on 021-446-0567. You can SMS 31567 or send us a WhatsApp to 072-567-1567. Dr. Smith, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So the the, uh, the initial reaction to people being in a long-distance relationship then would be, well, how do you have a, a fulfilling sex life? Uh, but presumably the fact that you're not always or as often in physical contact as you might necessarily hope doesn't need to be a complete barrier to the fact that you can still enjoy a healthy sex life. Now, that's absolutely right. It doesn't have to be a barrier. It does present potential difficulties, but it doesn't have to be a barrier at all. There's some situations, in fact, in which it can even be helpful in maintaining relationships. So the research tends to go both ways. Most of the research has been centered around showing how long-distance relationships can be difficult for both the, the intimate sides of the relationship, which, of course, are um, very much connected with the sexual sides of, of, of the relationships. Uh, but there is some research which paradoxically seems to show that um, even uh, long-distance relationships can have some more durability than, than those which are geographically uh, more proximate. Now, in terms of relationships where perhaps one partner is uh, away for the week and then comes home at the weekend, I mean, that's actually my ideal situation. <laughs> I would love that uh, because I, I guess on that basis, absence makes the heart grow fonder. You're not sort of uh, necessarily in bed with that person every night. Uh, and the the anticipation, I guess, of the person returning home at the weekend and then having to have sex, that's, that's a slightly different dynamic. But if you are apart for very, very long periods, let's say sort of over, over a month, which some people are due to work yeah. commitments or whatever. What, where are some, how are some of the, what are some of the things that we can put in place uh, to make sure that we can, we can still uh, maintain uh, a sex life, even though it may not be one-on-one uh, -on -one and physical? So, and increasingly, there's more and more opportunities to do that. And, and, and it ranges from just very basic connection via telephone, which is pretty old-fashioned, but technology has provided... Uh, an increasing amount of options which really widen the range um, that the imagination can take care of and widens the range whereby two sexual brains can connect. Physically you can't connect but, but you can kind of create a space where intimacy and physicality can, can, can uh, be uh, attended to much, much more powerfully. So, so some examples of those. I mean, firstly, first of all, there's a whole range of texting opportunities um, and uh, in addition to texting opportunities, there's video chat opportunities. So we're now able to watch and see each other in ways that previously weren't possible. And even more intimate than that is the capacity to be able to use sex toys, which can be remotely um, activated. So there's ways to stimulate each other, which um, previously were just totally unheard of which means that distance is not as much of a problem. And in fact, 
the, the amount of creativity um, and imagination which perhaps is called for when there's distance can really challenge a relationship. And if that challenge is met, can increase both the type of uh, sexual connection you make when you're apart and the type of sexual connection you then um, rekindle when you get back together again. Let's go back to sexting, which uh, might, if you are a member of the younger generation, seem like second nature. But if you're not somebody, uh, perhaps if you're a little bit older and, and this whole concept of, of sexting uh, is a little bit uh, new for you, how does one start? Because it's it's like talking dirty. If you've never done it before, you might feel a bit silly or wonder how to how to broach that. So uh, the, the, the aim is not to try to be somebody that you're not. If you're trying to do something or emulate uh, what you imagine uh, people are going to be doing, then it's just going to break that kind of bubble of, uh, of uh, understanding you have with your partner um, and just will dissolve into something which is not really real. So you've got to start... Uh, you've got to start in a way which is authentic and which just feels your way towards something which is um, a, a little bit more imaginative. So you, you really want to just express how you're feeling or what you're doing or what you're touching um, or what you'd like to touch. So the, the, the key issue is to really start very basically just expressing the kinds of things that you would say if you were with somebody and you were talking to them directly. Uh, and then from there, it really depends on the on the individual. And uh, it, it, it would sexting then takes a life of its own. But you, you don't want to leap into some kind of imaginative fantasy world which you don't feel comfortable with and isn't really an authentic expression of how you're feeling at that particular time. The most basic, it's a little bit like learning to talk dirty for the first time when, you, when you're together with somebody. You, you, you really just need to reflect and talk about what it is that you're doing. And that has a, a very large erotic power of its own, which then takes on a life of its own as it progresses. So authenticity and sort of reflecting the intimacy that already exists within the relationship. Yeah, pretty much. Or just authentic to, to what you're feeling. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be all very clean and sanitized it can be whatever you happen to feel at that particular time mm. but just that if you're feeling unconfident about sexting or talking dirty as the case may be just describing what it is um, that you're feeling or you're doing or would like to do is very erotic in itself mm. Okay, great stuff. If you are just joining us this evening, I'm joined on the line by clinical sexologist Dr. Anthony Smith. And we're talking uh, about how to keep uh, your long distance relationship sexy and spicy. It can be difficult, of course, if you see each other uh, infrequently or if you live in different cities or indeed in different countries. And I'd love to hear from you uh, this evening if you are in a long distance relationship and uh, how it is that you and your partner uh, manage to keep uh, some spice in the relationship. You mentioned there, obviously, uh, about uh, the, the new technology. We've touched on sexting, but obviously there are other marvelous devices like Skype and other, um, and other sort of video chat, uh, video yeah. chat situations. Um, how, how does, how would one, I mean, presumably you have to be quite careful and perhaps set a designated time. If you suddenly start calling your partner on Skype and they're in a business meeting and you're, and you're nude, that could become obviously quite difficult. But, uh, I, I suppose also, how does one, um, become sp or maintain Maintain spontaneity in that regard also? Well, the first thing you want to do is just be sure that you're familiar with the technology because if you um, have, have a computer that's not working or there's very poor lighting 
or you know you've got a very bad internet connection and there's all kinds of technical glitches then it's just going to interrupt everything you're going to be too distracted so it's, uh, you, you need to create an environment where you can trust that the, the, the technical framing of it all is not going to just explode on you. Um, so once you've got that apart, then it's, it's very much like the sexting, where you, you want to set aside a time, you maybe want to have a preamble, you want to maybe have um, uh, communicated what you're wanting to do or what you're interested in, or set some kind of scene so that you are prepared and anticipating uh, the connection that you're going to make. And then you, you, you want to, um, you'll know your, if this is a situation where you, you'll know your partner pretty well, you want to set a, um, around cues that you and your partner have known have worked for you. And then mostly it's all, it's all visual really. So you want to have exploited cues which are maximally visual. And then you want to create a dialogue where you're communicating with each other. And so the cues of your partner feed back and uh, create a positive, a positive arousal pattern. So you want to be able to uh, create a situation which is positively reinforcing. You seeing your partner, they seeing you, you communicating, and there's a type of a give and take whereby you are uh, mutually reinforcing the erotic potential of what you're doing. Presumably, when it comes to uh, using cameras, etc., I mean, not everyone is going to immediately feel comfortable uh, about uh, about having their body shown on camera. And people might say, well, you, you've already had sex with them or you're in a sexual relationship. And that may be so, but there's something slightly uh, that makes one slightly vulnerable, I guess, uh, in exposing all uh, on camera. And maybe it's not the most flattering angle. Uh, is, there, is there some way that we can deal with uh, perhaps self-esteem issues around sexuality and around how how we look oh absolutely there's there's one particular point just to backtrack a little bit which is really important and and this is the fact that whenever you're using technologies and you're going to appear naked or you're going to appear in a sexually a sexual um, uh, context you, you have to be aware of what of, of, of the fact that there could be a digital record of that um, which could be either recorded or produced at some time. And you'd hope that most relationships are very trusting and that you know that your partner is going to um, really uh, prize that and isn't going to take advantage in any way. But unfortunately, the reality is that there's a very small percentage of people who, who may take advantage. And so you really want there to be a high degree of trust and you want to be really sure that, um, that this is a space where you can, you can fully let go. To answer your question very specifically, and that's an incredibly important question because the way that you show up in a video is, is not necessarily the way that you see each other um, when you're together. It kind of creates a third eye which distances yourselves potentially. So w once again, it's, it's, it's about taking it very, very slowly and putting your, 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 your little toe into into uh, the sea of this um, so that you aren't overexposing yourself and that you're feeling comfortable um, and that you're not going to create a possible experience which is negative and has the exact opposite effect. So it's revealing a small amount of yourself, perhaps doing um, a limited striptease type show or um, revealing yourself or just talking dirty while you're fully clothed rather than uh, displaying nudity. Um, so there's a whole range of different kinds of activities that you can do, which you should gradually feel your way through to see what your comfort levels are and also what the erotic potentials for those levels are as well.
Clinical sexologist Dr Anthony Smith is joining us uh, this evening to talk about uh, keeping uh, spice in your sex life when you are in a long-distance relationship. One of the things that you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, Dr Smith, was uh, making use or taking advantage of uh, distance-friendly sex toys. So uh, those that are controlled uh, by an app, like vibrators that are controlled by an app. Yes, yes. So, so... So, so this is, these, are, these are pretty new, and there's a whole range of different vibrators that can be used when you're in the room with somebody or in a, a, a relatively short distance. There's a limited, um, uh, there's a limited uh, variety of toys that can be used via um, Bluetooth and can be controlled via an app, and uh, they, they, work, um, they work reasonably, reasonably well. But these can be used to, to nudge or to stimulate from distances of hundreds and thousands of kilometers away. And so, you know, these kinds of opportunities um, and these kinds of uh, ways of physically um, causing uh, stimulation when you're even really far away are beginning to be opened up. And the chances are that this is just going to uh, become an increasingly popular form of of, uh, connection for, for people who are distanced from each other. How about the idea of uh, of sort of sending something? I mean, it seems very um, traditional. The, I mean, I'm not talking about a letter, uh, but there's so many different services these days where you can order, a, I don't know, a cheeky pair of panties or a sex toy, and before you, your partner's returned home from work, there they are, wait, where it is waiting on the doorstep. Yes. We haven't, what we haven't spoken about so far is the relationship between intimacy and, uh, and, and sexuality. Mm. And they, they really are intimacy connected. Uh, and uh, there's a huge area about how you're wanting to maximize your sexual connection by being sure that you are um, uh, connecting in an intimate way. And intimacy um, is really about connecting, getting a sense of who that person is, why, what they're thinking at any particular time, the meanings that their lives are creating for themselves at any particular time, and also how anticipating what they're feeling at any particular time. So if you are getting into their, their feeling space and you are um, being able to, 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 to influence um, and to be able to touch them in, in ways which are non-sexual, the chances are you're going to uh, augment your sexual experience as well. Um, and uh, I mean, there's another issue as well, which is about um, how much face-to-face contact you're having in between the times that you're spending apart. So if you are really spending very, very long times apart, uh, people tend to idealize each other quite a lot. And uh, a lot of our, our uh, kind of erotic power comes from the ways that we project um, our desires onto our partners. And this, in fact, and I was, I was talking about this earlier, can the way that we idealize our partners can, can make our sexual attraction and experiences much greater. But what we want to be careful about is that we don't um, idealize them to the point of view that when you get together with them again and you have face-to-face contact, that those idealized bubbles are broken. And so doing small things and connecting and cultivating intimacy uh, between the times that you're having sexual contact can, in fact, um, equilibrate, you can equalize, balance things out a little bit and keep things um, a little bit more real. Mm, mm. What about for those people uh, where uh, traditional monogamy isn't necessarily order of the day and that they're comfortable having relationships outside uh, if they're not necessarily going to see one another for a long time? Uh, should should couples talk about uh, the boundaries within that uh, sort of open relationship prior to getting involved in one? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think 
the, the, the degree to which um, an individual has um, uh, proclivity to an open relationship is similar to uh, an orientation, like a, sex, a sexual orientation, um, in that some people, um, for, for them, their comfort zone is, in fact, to have a relatively open relationship, and they fail miserably when they are monogamous for any particular period of time. And perhaps the majority are the opposite, whereby they are looking for monogamy. Now, if you've got two, uh, you've got two people in a couple who have separate so-called orientations, you are potentially running into a lot of trouble. And the thing about long-distance relationships is that it does open up that trust gap a little bit, and it also um, would create potential opportunities because the kind of proximity and the bond which two people have is, is threatened to some degree. And if you are a person whose natural orientation is towards uh, a kind of external multiple partners or, or, or you feeling that you can't be satisfied with a single partner, the chances are that you, you may be tempted. If both of you are similarly orientated within a relationship, this can in fact work quite well for you and you can, uh, there's multiple ways in which an, orienta an orientation around multiple partners could, could work out very well. But if there's, um, if there's a, a conflict, it, it could be an absolute disaster and uh, trust could fall very quickly and the sexual relationship would fall equally quickly. Let, let me say though that on, on the other side, of the coin is that sexual excitement often is kindled by a degree of risk up to a certain point. And the, the kind of distance that one has or the idea that somebody is um, a, a little bit beyond you or that there's some uncertainty or the space where idealization can, can, can fit in can, can maximize and increase that degree of uncertainty that you have, which can actually be exciting for certain people. So um, it can really work both ways. Uh, and just finally, uh, Dr. Smith, we live in an age these days where uh, more and more people are entering into relationships or even just flirtations with people actually before they've even met. So for many people, uh, the, the, the long distance thing or, or certainly not having met or having some distance uh, will already uh, have been established before uh, in a way that it may not do uh, with, a, with a couple who've, who've been together previously. Uh, so I guess what I'm asking is if, you've, if your initial contact Contact or the initial part of your relationship has already been uh, sexting or, or uh, you know, interacting over Skype and whatever, there may come a time where actually you do meet face to face um, and presumably expectations may not always be met. And also it's a very different dynamic meeting somebody in person physically uh, having sex with them or being sexual with them than perhaps being able to hide behind technology, I guess. Yeah, it opens up a whole new... A whole new um, realm of sexuality. This and, it, and it's true. We've been talking mostly about relatively traditional relationships. Um, the, the problem with long-distance relationships, where there's been very little face-to-face um, -face type contact, is that you, you you're really idealizing your your your, your partner in, in a way whereby potentially they start to become a person who is totally um, apart from the person that they really are. So you, you really are having sex or connecting with with with, with um, a, an idealized object rather than than a person. Now, for some people, there may be many advantages to that, and um, relationships and communication has been enhanced for those who either are very isolated or who've got um, 
problems, issues, social or physical or psychological, which have made it difficult for them to connect. So there's a huge advantage to it. The downside, however, is, is that if that's the exclusive kind of relationship or sexual relationship that you're having, um, it, it, you, you kind of have to, real, you have to realize on some level that it's based on an unreality. And if you delude yourself into thinking that it is a reality, then all of that huge range of human emotions which you carry with you, the projecting of attachment, trust, and the degree of love that you may have would all start to kind of bloom within a context that is unreal. Um, a little bit like uh, some of the movies that we've seen where uh, people have fallen in love with, um, with projected with, with robots or with artificial intelligence uh, type um, orientated figures who, who are not human but project a kind of figure of being human. It's almost like a reverse of that. Dr Smith, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much. Definitely some food for thought there. And uh, hopefully you'll join us again. Thank you so much. Thanks.